Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Welcome to the Tuesday Newsday podcast, episode number 39. This episode I am recording on the 26th of January, 2021. So first up today, listeners, I don't know if you noticed, but we have a new president. Uh, Turns out they change them out every four to eight years on average. Um, I wonder what the average is, because obviously some of them don't make it to the end of the term. Some of them stick around for a couple extra terms. (sighs) I wonder what the average is. Regardless, though, under ideal circumstances, they get changed out every four to eight years. Uh, And this will be number 46. Uh, So that's exciting. Congratulations to our newest overlord. Long may his glorious reign bring us prosperity or something. I don't know. I should have prepared a sarcastic heraldry bit. I didn't. I apologize. Both to you and to our glorious overlord. Um, So, speaking of our glorious overlord, what has he gotten up to? Right? What has... The lizard people's representative sent down to oversee us plebs. What has he been up to? What changes has he made? What has he done, legislatively speaking? You may ask, or you may not, but I am going to talk about it. He started out by signing a bunch of executive orders. Now, one thing I learned... Uh, trying to cover the last presidency, and I sort of hit the ground running with that one, is there's a lot of executive orders and executive actions, in quotes, that mean absolutely nothing. They're just so much talk. And then there are a few that actually make a difference. And even the ones that make a difference, there's often... There's often a, a, a very wide range of the difference they can make. So some of them make a relatively large difference, and some of them make almost no difference at all. And this amount of difference they make has actually very little to do with the amount of coverage they get and how much people care about them. Furthermore, for some reason we've decided that the first 100 days is a great marker for a presidency. So I guess it's a nice round number, easy for monkey brain to compute. 100 days. What done in 100 days? Tell now. Arr. Right? Apes together strong. Right? So, so it is imperative for a politician to hit the ground running. And so we, we can see that over the first week of the, the Biden reign, he signed a whole bunch of executive actions. Now, I haven't read all of them. He signed a whole bunch, like a whole bunch. I don't even know how many. But I read some of them. And even then, you kind of have to know how to read them because there's always this preamble of nonsense. There's like 14 paragraphs of nonsense and then three paragraphs of policy and then three more paragraphs saying that this policy doesn't break other policy. And if, you know, if it does, Ty goes to the previous policy that was there first, unless otherwise stated in the first in the three paragraphs that matter of the policy. This is the way. 
So, what has he done? Well, uh, we're back in the WHL. Uh, I guess it takes 30 days to get back in. Uh, whatever details, semantics, we're back in. Fauci's leading it. Leading our delegation. <sighs> you know, whatever. Who cares? The World Health Organization have done the opposite of hold China accountable. Not only for letting it out in the first place. Which, to be fair, there's no way anyone can ever prove, despite the fact that it's glaringly apparent. In the same way no one can prove that Putin poisoned uh, his political adversaries, right? No one can prove this, but no one questions it either. But they also, I would say they've been of questionable usefulness um, throughout the pandemic. Uh, and I just feel like organizations like that tend to not help America out as much as they cost us to be in. Now, the other argument is, of course, we are on the planet with everyone else, so helping everyone else helps us too. Whatever, we're back in. Uh, the eviction mem memorandum continues, right? No evictions until, I, I think, it, March, something like that. Uh, student loan forbearance, uh, and also other forms of government-held uh, loans are in forbearance. Uh, we are back in the Paris Climate Accords. Um, whatever, again. I, I approve of being, broadly speaking, I approve. I approve in theory, right? Talk to me in terms of policy. What are we actually doing, nuts and bolts-wise? Probably just more corruption, so who gives a shit? Um undoing a lot of the changes that Trump made to the EPA. Uh, specifically, the main changes there were what bodies of water the EPA gets to regulate. So, like, the EPA used to sort of decide what counted. So if you had, like, a pond on your property, they get to decide, okay, that's a body that we can regulate. It's big enough. Trump sort of changed those rules so they had less power to regulate you, if like a small stream crossed your giant property, um, they're, they're getting these powers back. Oh, and Biden has also canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. Um, you know, whatever. Justin Trudeau didn't like it, which is a bonus, right? You know, fuck that guy. The dreamers, uh, as in the children whose parents brought them into the nation, uh, Illegally, but they were like minors. Uh, Trump was always like, I mean, I say always, but he made it a habit to sort of like threaten their status as like, as legal citizens, right? Because they, they were made sort of legal-ish, pseudo-legal residents, permanent residents. That's what I'm trying to think of. Permanent residents. Uh, they're safe. They're going to be staying here. And I mean, look, after you spend all this money to educate people, what are you going to do? Send them to a different nation? Let's be real. Oh, and of course, uh, the expanded enforcement of ICE is going to be uh, rolled back. And deportations uh, are going to be cut back way back down to like Obama levels. Which, to be clear, is not zero. Not anything close to it. Uh, and the... 
policy of letting anyone who shows up at the border in for refugee processing, as far as I can tell, hasn't really been changed. Now, I don't actually have White House press credentials, listeners, so I wasn't able to ask the press secretary. But from the questions that were asked, I sort of got the sense, and she again, she's very good. Um, she's very good at not answering anything. I got the sense that, yeah, the, we're still not going to, especially with COVID, we're, st- we're just not going to open the uh, the gates to all comers. Um, oh, non-citizens will count towards uh, the census and congressional representation. Feels like there's a lawsuit somewhere in there. And if you talk to me about standing, I'll say anyone who got a uh, underrepresented, right? It just feels like there's a lawsuit in there. If someone cares to run it, doesn't feel like an easy one. Feels like Supreme Court material. Does someone want a career? Biden also uh, reversed Trump's uh, transgender military ban. He signed a executive order supporting collective bargaining amongst government workers, i.e. unionization. And also he directed, and this is the kind of thing that like really bothers me about these kind of executive orders, right? He directed uh, the government agencies to look into a $15 minimum wage for government employees and government contractors. So, of course, right? He directed them to look into it and they have to give him a proposal by thus and such a time and it's all meaningless. But, you know, if the proposal gets acted on, it is somewhat meaningful. And I thought it was newsworthy because he included government contractors, which is super critical. Uh, the, the Muslim travel ban is ended, um, but there is a new travel ban in place. It is a COVID travel ban and it covers, um, and this is just an extension of the one Trump had already had in place, but, um, it covers, uh, the UK, Ireland, Brazil, the Shenzhen region, which is the European union. I don't know why, like I thought about looking it up, but I didn't, but why are we calling it the Shenzhen reason region now? Like. When did this become a thing? Regardless, them and South Africa. And these are the places where exciting, new, more, um, uh, not more virulent, more infectious, exciting, new, more infectious strains of COVID have, have been found. Very fun. Vaccines seem to be effective against them although potentially like somewhat less effective, but still sufficiently effective to be worth getting, right? According to Fauci. Trump is also, excuse me, Biden, the president, has also taken action to undo Trump's removal of affirmative action. So Trump went through and pulled out a lot of specific affirmative action um, from like the government housing policies and government hiring policies, Biden's gone ahead and uh, he's made great steps towards putting it back in place, and he's certainly going to. So, something to be aware of if you're applying for jobs. Ah, he did a, a brilliant political move. Biden has issued an executive order saying that the Attorney General, the Department of Justice, shall renew no contract with privately owned prisons. 
Now that sounds great. Sounds fantastic, right? Privately owned prisons are terrible. We all know this. The prison industrial complex is terrible. Who allowed such an industry with such obvious perverse incentives to get off the ground and running? This is the kind of thing that government's perfect for. Why is it privatized? Here's the fun thing, though, listeners. It's not. Uh, Around 8% of our inmates are in private facilities. All the rest are in federal or state-run penitentiaries. And the private prison companies have been... They've seen the writing on the wall. Obama tried to do this to them because it's a great political win. And they are nearly completely out of the private prison market already, right? So, um, for CoreCivic, which is one of the two main companies, the Department of Justice accounts for 2% of their annual revenue. Everything else they get from, like, state uh, contracts. And basically, um, the entire industry has pivoted into, like, halfway houses, um, treatment centers, and electronic monitoring. Is kind of where they're at right now. Now, the very cynical among you might say, well, wouldn't that lead to sort of perverse incentives where people don't get the the standard of care they need to truly be rehabilitated and brought back in as productive members of society because there's just some faceless corporation churning them through to earn a quick buck? And the corporations would, of course, say, well, look, the government demanded private prisons. We supplied this demand. Now they demand private monitoring and uh, halfway houses and rehabilitation, and we supply this demand. Who's to say, listeners? Um, your opinion on this is left as an exercise to you. And, oh, also, he has extended unemployment insurance for people who uh, are afraid of COVID, and so they don't want to go into work. It's unclear to me how that shakes out like is it anyone who can't work from home can get unemployment because that doesn't seem super feasible but who knows and that's that's essentially as far as i can tell at least the most cogent things that he's done the things that actually mattered oh he signed this and that and the other thing that direct this or that department to create this or such a task force to look into Whatever. It's also meaningless. These are the ones that mean something. Uh, And now you know, right? You were wondering what all those executive orders Biden was signing were? That's them. Basically undoing everything Trump did via executive order. And then, oh, he also like, he decided that the entire federal government's vehicle fleet is going electric. But again, that's one of those like suggestion guideline submit a plan, we'll get the plan approved. You know what I mean? Like, it's not an actual law or anything. It's just, like, an, a directive to create a plan to be approved later. Like, so many of them are. As long as we're on uh, Biden, let's talk about his inauguration. Did you watch? I watched. Watched the whole thing. I watched. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Fast forward some of it. But I watched it and um, watched all the important bits in their entirety. And it was interesting. Uh, Number one, it was amusing how it had to be socially distanced. Uh, So that was fun. Um, 
I also thought it was great. Sort of a great move, number one. Harping on the... <sighs> I'm loath to use the term insurrection, right? But that's what they always call it, right? The president, the press secretary, and thus and such. But the, you know, the storming... You get, are we to compare what happened in the Senate to the storming of the Bastille? That would be an insult to those who stormed the Bastille. But regardless, between that and COVID, they shut down D.C. So there was no crowd, which nicely sidesteps the crowd size issue that would have been a thing because of how big a deal was made of it last time. Now it's not an issue. Brilliantly done. Ah, uh, so, of course, before I get too far into this, in the uh, the waning hours of his reign, uh, Trump signed a bunch of pardons. He pardoned a whole bunch of people, some of which were like Kim Kardashian requested to be pardoned, some of which were his political cronies that needed pardoning, some of which were, I don't even know who. Of course, right? I'm, anyone who's like shocked and taken aback by this either hasn't been paying attention or is playing it up, hamming it up for the camera or whatever audience. They all do it, right? If you look at the number of pardons, Obama had way more. Now, of course, if you dare to criticize Obama, people will come out the woodwork to act as his uh, impromptu press secretary and say, well, of course, these were people victims of the war on drugs. It's like, yeah, sure. I mean, sure, a lot were. But there's like close to 4,000 people that he pardoned. Were all of them victims? I'm not here to go blow by both through it. It doesn't even interest me. Uh, some of them might not be, some of them are like pretty specific and they might not hold for all crime. I don't care. If it becomes an interesting issue, I'll bring it up again. But it's worth noting that presidential pardon power is, well, number one, it's plosive city. But number two, yeah. I guess, you know, I guess. I, it's never it's never sat right with me. Just the unilateral infinite, right? No checks and balances. There's so many forms of checks and balances on everything. Even like executive orders can be challenged and are challenged successfully in court, right? Recall Trump's Muslim ban had so much trouble getting that to stick because of injunctions by various judges, but not with the pardons. The pardons just happen, bam. So I, I kind of have a problem conceptually with that, but let's not pretend like they all don't do it. Uh, I was greatly disappointed to see how many members of the political elite took off their face masks for selfies. It really bothered me. It's like, dudes, what are we doing here? Like, set a good example. Are you kidding me? <sighs> um, but whatever. Uh, the military orchestra. It was great. I was... Uh, I just sort of had it running in the background while I worked and I was just kind of like jamming out to the, uh, the chippy fanfare tunes that they played. So that was fun. <sighs> One thing that did really bother me is that the Republican and Democratic majority and minority leaders and the whips and stuff like that were announced, right? The Democratic whip, thus and such, right? were announced as titles, and it really upset me because we, one thing we do not need to be doing is further codifying this two-party system into our government. It is the opposite of a good idea. It needs to be opposed whenever it crops up. And so having 
them announced as rather than the honorable so-and-so, right? That's all they should get. They got house minority whip, the honorable thus and such. It's like, no, 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 no. We do not codify the R and the Ds into our government. That's the worst thing we could do. Really, really not good. It was amusing watching the geriatric elite suffering in the cold. Um, and just generally like the level of layering and really fancy and expensive looking coats amused me, uh, like Bernie with his mittens. You probably saw the memes. Uh, so that, that, that did bring me some joy. I felt kind of bad for the singers. Um, we'll get to them in a minute. Of course it was amusing, um, that all the former presidents other than Carter, cause he's like, has ailing health. Everyone except Trump showed up. Pence was there. And Trump was like away, presumably pouting. <laughs> you know, it just, <laughs> you know, just amusing, childish, to be expected. And watching it, especially watching the setup. So watching all the people filing in and talking and taking their seats. It was, it was weirdly like watching like a little league award ceremony for the political elite. Like they were all hanging out and being friends and chit chatting and laughing and standing around in small groups. And it was very much like you could s totally imagine that instead of on the Capitol, they were in the stands of a little league baseball game and their kids were playing an uninteresting game and they were talking with one another or like they were out for pizza afterwards or whatever. Right. They were hanging out at a neighborhood barbecue. Like these, they were all friends. And I think it's important to remember that. And then they got into it with the speeches talking about democracy and how much they're planning on bringing America together and yada, yada, yada. I couldn't be more cynical. Couldn't be more cynical. We'll see, you know. Couldn't be more cynical. Then they bring out Lady Gaga. I don't know if you saw this, but she wore quite the dress. There's two ways to take that dress. One is that it's an insult to decency, good taste, and democracy. The other is she was enforcing social distancing via physical barrier. So however you want to take it, that, you know, really, those are the two interpretations as I see them. Uh, then they brought out Jennifer uh, Lopez. And J-Lo went off script to plug her back catalog like a true American capitalist. It was the most heartwarming moment of the entire event, and it was the only the only surprising thing, the only, well, that's not true. There were some other interesting things, but it was like, oh, you are here at the inauguration of a president, and you're plugging your back catalog. What a legend. Right up there with those dudes selling food at the Capitol. Insurrection. Right? Legends. Heroes. Uh, I, I, as much as I don't care about speeches, talk to me about policy. Uh, I do want to point out that Biden said we have never failed as a nation. And to that, I just want to say, would you describe Vietnam as a success? Um, and then we could go on, but we'll just leave it at that. Oh, and another thing, not only this, but as I've watched the majority of his speeches um, from the inauguration onwards, it's like his speechwriters just discovered repetition as a rhetorical technique. It's really annoying. Now, presumably it's not if you're just hitting the sound bites, which is the point of these. 
But if you're actually watching them all, it's like, wow, his speechwriters are into repetition. Eh, whatever. It kind of bothers me. And then they had Garth Brooks come out and sing and tried to bring an audience participation through COVID. Like, he's like, sing with me through the television. I would love to get some numbers on how many people sang with him. I suspect it would be in the very, very low uh, fractions of a percent. And then they had a poem. It was kind of, I just, I'll just say some of the rhymes bothered me. Like she rhymed words with themselves on multiple occasions, which is my number one pet peeve with poetry, songwriting, anything like that. Rhyming a word with itself. It just drives me fucking crazy. And she did it a couple times. And you're the poet laureate. Couldn't you do something that doesn't, you know, rhyme words with themselves? whatever it was amusing I think she was the only person wearing a bright color in the entire uh, event and then then they did something that I never realized they did and was fascinating to witness they did a gift giving ceremony so everyone gave the Bidens and the Harrises although he didn't take her last name Harris's husband they gave them a bunch of gifts. So they gave him a painting and some vases and some folded up flags. And Mitch McConnell seemed like he was almost crying. And I couldn't tell why. It was almost like he was happy for his friend crying. But it could have been he's losing his political battles crying. It was hard to say. Very, very weird. But so they gave him some random gifts. I mean, look, this is the real gift is the insider trading we made along the way. Man, that's about it as far as the inauguration goes. Oh, no, it's not. What am I talking about? The most important thing happened. They drove to Arlington National Cemetery to lay the wreath. Now, they were so old and frail, they couldn't actually lay the wreath. So they had a, a, a lady Marine officer lay it for them, and they went up and touched it, which I found to be insulting. Like, get a smaller wreath and lay it yourselves, you weak pussy bitches. But maybe that's just me. But they actually had a... 21-gun salute with real artillery pieces. It was the coolest fucking thing. It was the best part of the inauguration by a, by a wide margin. And the stream kept cutting back to it to, like, show these dudes, like these uh, Marines in super-dressed uniform with, like, sort of a almost a dance of, like, reloading the the shells, loading the shells into the um, the mortars and then firing them off or howitzers or whatever they were. And then firing them at exact intervals it sounded really cool. And so they like this giant motorcade's driving up and you can just hear boom, boom. Uh, and like, I, I forget what the interval, it might be 21 second intervals. I'm not sure, but it was super cool. Um, and I immediately thought, wouldn't it be sweet if the military orchestra would do Paco Bell's cannon using cannons the way it was written. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. Um... So let's talk about predictions. It's time to make some predictions. <sighs> Do you think that the nuclear option will be enacted, i.e. the removal of the filibuster? It wouldn't surprise me if it were. 
I think if they don't, little will get done. And if they do, it will be a bad thing long-term for the nation. Although maybe, maybe anything getting done is better than nothing, right? That's the thing is like, do you think something getting done by this particular band of corrupt fucks is better than nothing? Or do you think neither band of corrupt fucks getting to do anything except insider trade is better? Um, a lot of people seem to think that Biden will be deposed and they'll put in Harris. I gotta say, after listening to his speeches, I don't think so. Biden has a messy mental categorization model. And I know this because so do I, right? So where he'll be like, like right now, he'll, he'll be like looking for a synonym of a word or something, and he can't find it because it's filed in a different place in his mind. Um, and so you have to sort of sidestep, figure out, you know, a different way to say whatever you wanted to say. It's just a way of thinking that it means you're better than other people. Uh, <laughs> no, um, it's just a way of it's just a way of how your mind categorizes ideas, right? It's it's just the way your your neurons link things together. Everyone does it a little bit differently, and sometimes he blanks on words. Add to this the fact that he's like 400 years old uh, and is only being sustained by drinking the blood of vestal virgins, then we can see that it must be really difficult for him, and he's struggling in his human suit, right? So he doesn't have that snappy, snappy speed to come up with a synonym really fast, so he like has these weird blanky pauses. Um... All this to say, not to defend him, just to say that I don't think he's, he's certainly not, he certainly doesn't present as less mentally uh, competent than Trump. Right? He seems to have it together. He's done some light improv in his speeches, right? Like one of them, he was talking and someone dropped something. It was a loud clang and he goes, oh, that wasn't me. He like made a little joke. No one laughed at it either. Humorless fucks. Um, it was, it was decently funny. He's certainly not as anywhere. He might be the least funny president. Um, certainly that I've ever paid attention to, right? O Obama was a savage and Trump was, <sighs> Trump was a fully lunatic, but he was funny at the very least. Uh, and so it's a real, it's a real sad state of affairs when we elect an unfunny president. But the, the thing is, Trump stopped being funny. He just got into, like, weird, sour meanness. He wasn't, he wasn't coming with the jokes. Um, or maybe his material got repetitive. Anyways, I'm predicting $10,000 in student loan forgiveness. It just feels like it, uh, the sufficient to call it student loan forgiveness. Claim a whole bunch of political points without tanking the industry, and it'll only be for federal loans. And of course, I would expect a new war of some description. And not like a specifically a new war that'd be super unpopular, but just something to give the military-industrial complex plenty of lucrative contracts to drag out, squeeze, be inefficient, and profiteer off of. Right? So the military-industrial complex will be fed. They were a little underfed during the Trump years, and now they will be fed. So, yay! Maybe go work at Boeing. So now, listeners, I hear you cry. Okay, sure, fine. Our new overlord is here. 
to rule us with an iron fist wrapped in a velvet glove. And I'm not happy about it. I'm worried that he will direct the NSA to spy on me. And I want to avoid this. How can I avoid this? How can I be anonymously communicating with my friends for purely freedom of speech purposes, purely as a demonstration of how much you value your First Amendment rights and your right to be secure from unwarranted searches and seizures, right? Because it is incumbent upon us to exercise our rights regardless of our reasons why. It is, in fact, our duty to future generations to vigorously exercise these rights. That way they might not be taken from us. And this is a duty I take very seriously, listeners. To wit, I have prepared a, uh, a brief presentation on how to communicate anonymously. Number one, listen to the Musk Father, right? The Musk Father recommended Signal, and he's right. Signal is the correct app for anonymous communication. Do you know how you can tell? Because motherfucking Edward Snowden uses it. And if that bitch uses it, you know it's a good idea. So, firstly, if you're using WhatsApp, or you're using Instagram, or you're using Facebook, fucking stop. Don't use that shit. Those are all owned, uh, controlled by Mark Zuckerberg. Let us not forget that he called his first users dumb fucks for sharing their personal data with him and his servers, his program, the Facebook. Dumb fucks. They trust me. I don't know why. Dumb fucks. It's an exact quote. So, number one, get your ass off of Zuckerberg Media. Just no. Secondly, download Signal. Use Signal. Signal's great. Now, the thing about Signal is you have to use a cell phone number to sign up and then get a SMS message to verify that you're not a bot, basically. So they can't DDoS Signal. I guess it technically wouldn't be a DDoS, but some sort of network overload. Regardless, um, here's what you can do. You can sign up using a, a burner phone number. So you can get a Google Voice phone number if you're only trying to hide from your fellow civilians. If you're trying to hide from the government, you have to go a little further into it and make use of a <laughs> and make use of a disposable SMS service. So you could use one of many, right? There's there's a bunch. Just Google search disposable SMS services. In fact, DuckDuckGo search disposable SMS services. DuckDuckGo search it from a virtual machine running Tor over VPN to access DuckDuckGo. Hmm? I mean, if you want. It might be a lot of effort depending on your needs. But again, it's our duty to future generations. So, you signed up for Signal using your disposable SMS service. Now what? Now, you set a pin. And setting this pin will keep anyone else from registering using the same number, right? So someone else could get assigned the same disposable SMS, right? But if you 
use a strong PIN, they won't be able to register an account under that number. So then bing, bang, boom, you are truly anonymous. If you forget your PIN, you're locked out forever. That's just the way it is with real security. Signal has no way to reset your PIN or let you back into your account if you get locked out. That's how you know it's actually secure. It's also open source. So smart people who read code went through and say it's all good, you know? I'm not a smart person, I don't read code, but enough of them seem to think it is that I feel like your odds are way better. And certainly, like, look, no one even pretends that WhatsApp isn't spying on you. And even if they're not selling your data to the government, I would say it's worse the fact that they're without question selling it to advertising agencies. I'd rather the government listen in to me than advertising agencies. At least the government is inept. So, yeah. Uh, you can register using a, a burner SMS if you wish, and you'll, you'll be fine. Good to go. Now, all right, you say, fine. Well, what makes Signal better than Telegram or just iOS messaging or, you know, AOL chat, right? What makes it better? I'll tell you what makes it better. End-to-end -end encryption. Now, what is end-to-end -end encryption, you say? Uh, well, and to that I answer, end-to-end encryption is you encrypt a message on your device. The encrypted message gets sent to Signal Server. Signal Server sends it to its recipient. But Signal Server does not have the key. Only the recipient has the key. The recipient then can decode the message and read it on their device. Now you can do things with, um, so all the messages are stored on your device. Very important to know. So you can do fun things like have your messages disappear after a set amount of time with Signal. And then once they're gone, they're gone, right? They're just gone into ether. No, they cannot be recreated. It's feasible that sometime in the next 25 years, if we crack quantum computing and someone's been storing all these signal messages, they might be able to decode them at some point. Um, so bear that in mind as well. Statute of limitations only uh, gets you so far. <laughs> but theoretically, you're not doing anything that you have to worry about that, right? Okay, good. So, you may wonder, how is it that Signal can pass along a message to the right person, but that they never get to see the contents, right? What is this magical encryption technology? And I'll tell you. It is by using a series of Diffie-Hellman. Uh, what is the fucking noun here? Ah. And I'll tell you. It's by using a secret key exchange called a Diffie-Hellman. Now, what is a Diffie-Hellman, you may ask? Well, I'll tell you. Your device generates a secret key, and your interlocutor's device also generates a secret key, right? And there's a public key in the middle. So, your device takes the public key and your private key, and mashes them together uh, using a, a mathematical equation involving modular arithmetic. And this is where that prime, you always hear about that giant prime that they need to make security happen. The prime is for the modular arithmetic. It sets the in, right? It sets the, the, the mode. So, uh, using modular arithmetic and... Uh, and your private key and the public key 
a, uh, a key is generated. That key gets sent over to phone B. Phone B has sent you the same thing using their private key and the public code, the public key, right? So now you each have a key comprised of their private key and the public key. And then you each add your key into that using the same uh, equation. And so what you end up with is a key made of your key, key A, the public key, key B, and their key, key C. And you each have the same A, B, C. And because of the way the equation is set up, it's, uh, it's communicative. So it doesn't matter which order they go in. So you end up with the same key. And this key is then used to create the encryption. Uh, and so now you each have a shared secret, right? Your key ABC is the same as their key ABC, but it's not the same as anyone else's, and the server doesn't know. It only knows key AB and key, uh, or it only knows key a, uh, yeah, AB and key CB, right? So it only knows the two parts, and you can't take them apart very easily at all. That's why the prime has to be huge, so the mode is huge, because basically uh, what you're doing is each one of you three sets a number on a dial, which is the, what the mode of the, uh, which is what modular arithmetic is, right? It's numbers going around and around in a circle, and when you cross, you go back around to zero. So you've each, you've each set a number on a huge, right, um, many thousands of characters long dial, and they have one too. And so in order to crack it, you'd have to try every single you have to reverse the equation for every single position of the dial for both of you. And it's just not easy. It's, it's, it's computationally impossible at this time. Like people would be dead. It's like, like even if they ran it on supercomputers, people would be dead before they cracked the kind of stuff uh, we're talking about, right? For now, right? Quantum computing comes along, all bets are off. But basically, using the Diffie-Hellman secret key exchange, you end up with a shared secret between device A and device B, and then you can talk to each other. And even though the server can pass along the, uh, the encrypted communication, it can't decrypt it. It's not possible for them to decrypt it. That's pretty cool. Um, so, basically, signal. You should get it. You should use it. Uh, even if you don't care to use it, just out of principle, to secure our freedoms for future generations, do your part. So now, listeners, we come to space news. So firstly in space news uh, is the news that Joe Biden requested a moon rock for his office. Now, number one, I've never felt more condescendingly pandered to. But on the other hand, that is so fucking cool. And if I was the president, I would do the same goddamn thing. So it's hard to overly judge the guy. But still, right? Make it a whole big public deal? I'm not sure about that. But it's so cool. And I, like, I legitimately would do the same thing. And secondly, in more substantive space news, um, SpaceX has launched 60 more Starlink satellites. Um... Which brings a total number of Starlink satellites in orbit to nearly a thousand, which is insane. And also was the eighth time they reused that particular um, Falcon 9, which is so cool. Their eventual goal is 10 reuses um, per rocket, so getting quite close. And, and, they landed it on the barge in heavier wind than they ever had before. Um, 
and everything was successful. They didn't break the barge, which is the really scary part about that whole interaction. And so this has basically extended their operational envelope to now that they can land in worse weather. So it's going to make um, launch windows even wider, up their consistency, bring the price of getting to space down, and eventually put boots on Mars. Go America. Uh, so I think that is it. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, and please just remember. The dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. <laughs>